Hello chaps, it's Mark from English on Command and today we are going to continue reading our book Homo Sapiens, the history of the world. Let's go. Despite the benefits of fire, 150,000 years ago humans were still marginal creatures. They could now scare away lions, worm themselves during cold nights and burn down the occasional forest. Yet. Counting all species together, there were still no more than perhaps a million humans living between the Indonesian archipelago and the Iberian Peninsula. A mere blip on the ecological radar. Our own species, Homo sapiens, which means wise human, were already present on the world stage. But so far it was just minding its own business in a little corner of Africa. We don't know exactly where and when animals that can be classified as Homo sapiens first evolved from some earlier type of humans, but most scientists agree that by 150,000 years ago, East Africa was populated by sapiens that looked just like us. If one of them turned up in a modern morgue, the local pathologist would notice nothing peculiar thanks to the blessings of fire. They had smaller teeth and jaws than their ancestors, whereas they had massive brains equal size to ours. Scientists also agree that about 70,000 years ago, sapiens from East Africa spread into the Arabian Peninsula and there they quickly overran the entire Eurasian landmass. When Homo sapiens landed in Arabia, most of Eurasia was already settled by other humans. What happened to, to them? There are two conflicting theories. The um, interbreeding theory tells a story of uh, attraction, sex, and uh, mingling. As the African immigrants spread around the world, they bred with other human populations, and people today are the outcome of this interbreeding. For example, when sapiens reached the Middle East and Europe, they encountered the Neanderthals. These humans were more muscular than sapiens, had larger brains and were better adapted to cold climates. They used to the tools and fire. They were great hunters and apparently took care um, of their sick and infirm. Archaeologists have discovered the bones of Neanderthals who lived for many years with severe physical handicaps. Evidence that they were cared for by their relatives. Neanderthals are often depicted in caricatures as the um, archetypical brutish and stupid cave people, but recent evidence has changed their image. According to the interbreeding theory, when sapiens spread into Neanderthals' lands, sapiens bred with Neanderthals until the two populations merged. If this is the case, then today's Eurasians are not pure sapiens. They are a mixture of sapiens and Neanderthals. Similarly, when sapiens reached East Asia, they interbred with the local Arachnids. So the Chinese and the Koreans are a mixture of sapiens and Arachnids. The opposing view called the replacement theory tells a very different story. One of uh, incompatibility, um, revulsion and perhaps even genocide. According to this theory, sapiens and other humans had different anatomies and most likely different mating habits and even body odors. 
smells. They would have had little sexual interest in one another. And even if Neanderthal, Romeo and the sapiens Juliet fell in love, they could not produce fertile children. Because the genetic gulf separating the two populations was already unbridgeable. The two populations remained completely distinct and when the Neanderthals died out or were killed off, then no, their genes died then. According to this view, sapiens replaced all the previous human populations without merging with them. If that is the case, the lineages of the contemporary humans can be traced back exclusively to East Africa. 70,000 years ago, we, we are all pure sapiens. A lot hinges on this debate. From an evolutionary perspective, 70,000 years is a relatively short interval. Uh, if the replacement theory is correct, all living humans have roughly the same genetic baggage and racial distinctions among them are negligible. But if the interbreeding theory is right, there might well be genetic differences between Africans, Europeans and Asians that go back hundreds of thousands of years. This is political dynamite, which will provide material for explosive racial theories. In recent decades, the replacement theory has been the common wisdom in the field. It had firmer archaeological backing and was more politically correct. Scientists had no desire to open up the Pandora's box of racism by claiming significant genetic diversity among modern human populations, but that ended in 2010 when the results of a four-year effort to map the Neanderthal genome were published. Genetics were able to collect enough intact in, in Neanderthal DNA from fossils to make a broad comparison between it and the DNA, DNA of contemporary humans. The results stunned the scientific community. It turned out that one four percent, one to four percent of the unique human DNA of modern populations in the Middle East and Europe is Neanderthal DNA. That's not a huge amount, but it's significant. A second shock came several months later when DNA extracted from the fossilized finger from Denisova was mapped. The results proved that up to 6% of the new human DNA of modern Melanesians and Aboriginal Australians is Denisovan DNA. If these results are valid, and it's, it's important to keep in mind that further research is underway and may either reinforce or modify these conclusions, the interbreeders got at least some things right, but that doesn't mean that the replacement theory is completely wrong. Some Neanderthals and Denisovans contributed only a small amount of DNA to our present-day genome, and it's, it's impossible to speak of a merger between sapiens and uh, other human species. Although differences between them were not large, enough to completely prevent fertile intercourse, they were sufficient to make such contexts very rare. How then should we understand the biological re relatedness of sapiens, Neanderthals and Denisovans? Clearly they were not completely different species like horses and donkeys. On the other hand, they were not just different populations of the same species like bulldogs and spaniels. Biological reality is not black and white. There are also important gray areas. Every two species that evolved from a common ancestor such as horses and donkeys were at one time just two populations of the same species like bulldogs and spaniels. 
There must have been a point when the two populations were already quite different from one another, but still capable on rare occasions of having sex and producing fertile offspring. Then another mutation severed this last connecting thread, and they went their separate evolutionary ways. It seems that about 50,000 years ago, sapiens, neanderthals, and dinosaurs were at that borderline point they were almost, but not quite, entirely separate species, as we shall see in the next chapter. The sapiens were already very different from Neanderthals and Dinosaurians, not only in their genetic code and physical traits, but also in their cognitive and social abilities. Yet, it appears it was just uh, still possible on rare occasions for sapiens and Neanderthals to produce a fertile offspring. And so the populations did not merge, but a few lucky Neanderthal's genes did hitch a ride in the sapiens express, it is unsettling. And perhaps thrilling to think that we, sapiens, could at one time have sex with an animal from a different species and produce children together. But if Neanderthal's, Dinosaurs and other human species didn't merge with sapiens, why did they vanish? One possibility is that Homo sapiens drove them to extinction. Imagine a sapiens band reaching a Balkan valley where Neanderthals had lived for hundreds of thousands of years. They, the newcomers began to hunt the deer and gather the nuts and berries that were the Neanderthals' traditional staples. Sapiens were more proficient hunters and gatherers, thanks to better technology and superior social skills. So they multiplied and spread. The less resourceful Neanderthals found it increasingly difficult to feed themselves. Their population dwindled and slowly died out, except perhaps for one or two members who joined the sapiens neighbors. Another possibility is that competition for resources flared up into violence and genocide. And tolerance is not a sapiens trademark. In modern times, a small difference in skin color, dialect or religion has been enough to prompt one group of sapiens to set about ex uh, exterminating another group. Would ancient sapiens have been more tolerant towards an entirely different human species? It may well be that when sapiens encountered Neanderthals, the result was the first and most significant ethnic cleansing campaign in history. Whichever way it happened, the Neanderthals and the other human species posed one of history's great what-ifs. Imagine how things might have turned out that the Neanderthals and the Zones survived alongside Homo sapiens. What kind of cultures, societies, and political structures would have emerged in a world where several different human species coexisted? How, for example, would religious faiths have unfolded? Would the Book of Genesis have declared that Neanderthals descend from Adam and Eve? Would Jesus have died from the sins of the Denisovans? And would the Korans have reserved seats in heaven for all righteous humans, whatever their species? Hmm. Would Neanderthals have been able to serve in the Roman legions or in the sprawling bureaucracy of imperial China? Would the American Declaration of Independence hold as self-evident truth that all members of the genus Homo are creatures created equal? Would Karl Marx have urged workers of all species to unite? Over the past 10,000 years, Homo sapiens has grown so accustomed to being the only human species that it's hard for us to conceive of any other possibility. Our lack 
of brothers and sisters makes it easier to imagine that we are the epitome of creation and that a chasm separates us from the rest of the animal kingdom. When Charles Darwin indicated that Homo sapiens was just another kind of animal, people were outraged. Even today, many refused to believe it. Had the Neanderthals survived, we would still imagine ourselves to be a creature part. Perhaps this is exactly why our ancestors wiped out the Neanderthals. They were too familiar to ignore, but too different to tolerate. Whether sapiens are to blame or not, no sooner had they arrived at a new location that the native population became extinct. The last remains of Homo sulensis are dated to about 50,000 years ago. Homo dinosaur disappeared shortly thereafter. Neanderthals made their exit roughly 30,000 years ago. The last dwarf-like humans vanished from Flores Island from 12,000 years ago. Now that behind some bones, stone tools, a few genes, our DNA, and a lot of unanswered questions, they also left behind as Homo sapiens, the lost human species. What was the sapiens' secret of success? How? Did we manage to settle so rapidly in so many distant and ecologically different habitats? How did we push all other human species into oblivion? Why couldn't we, even the strong, brainy, cold-proof Neanderthals, survive our onslaught? The debate continues to rage. The most likely answer is the very thing that makes the debate possible. Homo sapiens conquered the world thanks, above all, to its unique language. That's all for now, guys. Now, guys and girls. Next time we're going to talk about the language which we invented. All right. I hope you enjoyed it. I wish you to have a great, great day today. Till next time. Bye.